Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Stafford, step it up. Going left side. Watch Calvin. Enzo got him. Oh, baby, that was a rocket. And it's picked off. Hello, welcome to episode 105 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is brought to you by DoorDash, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and Regents Field. So Monday was the first day of Lions practice where we couldn't really watch much of anything because it was back to only individual drills. So... Like I said the other day, we're going away from observations. And there's a couple things I want to hit on before we get into the bulk of today's podcast, which is an interview with former Detroit Lions and Cleveland Browns defensive end Armandi Bryant and his wife, Kim. But before we get to that, just a couple of things. First, the Lions placed Nick Bodden on injured reserve on Monday, so that ends his season. And let's be real, since he got drafted, it's been one injury after another for him. I have to imagine it's incredibly frustrating for the former San Diego State quarterback turned fullback. He tore his ACL in his rookie year in the spring, and that never got started. Last year, he was on and off injured throughout most of the year, and then this year, he's in a real battle for his job. And then he gets hurt. It's unclear when he even got hurt. A couple of days or maybe a week ago at this point. Never really seemed like he got healthy after that. Did a little bit of work here and there, but was mostly doing stuff off on the side. And then they announced on Monday that he is going on injured reserve. So what does that mean? It's good news for Jason Cabinda, the linebacker turned fullback, because he's been running with the first team, quote-unquote, whenever they've needed a fullback really anyway. So it looked like he really had a leg up on that job in the first place. But now, when you look at a combination of his versatility between linebacker, special teams, and fullback, and also the fact that they don't have another fullback on the roster, and really the closest approximation would be tight end Isaac Nada, and he's taken no snaps there, at least from what we saw during the two weeks of training camp, that Jason Cabinda could be in a very good spot when it comes to this weekend in terms of making the Detroit Lions. And like I said, we'll see how that goes, and there's still a few more days of practice for him here. But if I'm Jason Cabinda, I feel like I might be in pretty decent shape for a job, although you never know with this with this group, and you just kind of move on from there. 
The other thing I think of note, potentially, Rod Wood and Bob Quinn talked at the Detroit Economic Club on Monday, and one thing that I thought was interesting was that Rod Wood said that they're going to do everything they can to try and get fans in at some point this season. They obviously don't know when that might be, but they're going to make an effort to do so. But so much of that is going to be with Governor Whitmer's office and how all of that plays out. But they at least have a plan if they are are allowed to have fans at some point to have fans this season. Just they're not going to happen for the first two games. And then I think they're hoping that maybe possibly by the end of October, early November, when their third home game is because they don't play at home really at all between a bye and then a couple of road games in October, the at least the chunk of October, that maybe there's some wiggle room in there that all of a sudden maybe they can have fans. But personally, I think that that's still a long ways off and I would be surprised if that occurred. But it's just something, again, to pay attention to and to maybe take note of. So want to explain a little bit of what this podcast is today and also warn you a little bit. There is some graphic language and some graphic descriptions in this podcast because we talk a lot about kidney disease and dialysis and transplantation. If you don't remember, Armonte Bryant has a retire from the NFL in the summer of 2018 because he found out he had renal failure. I wrote this story on in 2019 in February about his need of a kidney and how that would save his life. And he's been on dialysis or was on dialysis, I should say, for about a year and a half. And then as you'll hear in the podcast, uh, he got some news. He got a phone call in January, about a like six weeks before everything shut down through COVID. And it's something that changed his life. So we get a lot about that. We talk a lot about what the last few months have been for him and his wife. And I hope you learned something from it. I hope you get some enjoyment out of this podcast. And moreover, I hope you go and check out my story on ESPN about Armonte Bryant and his updated, I guess, travels through the world of kidney disease and transplantation. And we will get to that. And there's not going to be any introduction after the break because we just jump right in. And we'll get to that right after. So let's just start here. Um, what's, I, I guess, what what was the process like from, you know, when we talked a year ago, year and a half ago now, you know, you were in Armani, you were in a bad place and just trying to figure out life and then trying to figure out what was that process like? I realize this could be a long answer to getting to kid, getting a kidney. Like what, what did that end up being like for you from say February, you know, last February to now? Um, it was definitely a journey, um, a process. I mean, just not knowing like when it's gonna happen or how it's gonna happen, just every day, just going through the same stuff, you know? It's really the same thing every single day, no switches, no nothing, can't leave, can't go too far, but we just kept hope alive, I guess, yeah. Just just praying for that kidney to come in any day and 
finally it came. Just kept talking about the future, like when I get a kidney, I'm gonna do this. When I get a kidney, I'm gonna go visit this person. I'm gonna get to go to this place. Like we could barely travel anywhere because you have to bring bags and bags of dialysis. Was that something that, I mean, that was obviously going on for months. Mm Did that change for you at any point? Did you get more, I don't want to say comfortable with it, but did it become more like, okay, this is my life now? Or did you never like let it get to that point? Um, you know, where I was at, it was definitely to a point where it was like, I'm just comfortable with it. It felt like just my life, you know? Like, I just, because I didn't get any news, no feedback. Like if a transplant was coming soon or was anybody in the works or anything, so... In my eyes, it was just an everyday lifestyle for me. Like, this is how we're going to proceed from, from here on out, you know? Kim, what was that like for you? Because, I mean, when we first talked, you were pregnant. Obviously, now you have a child. <laughs> like, what, how did you manage all of that? Because you were also Armani's caretaker in, in so many ways for so long. Yeah, I was definitely going to say, like, um, he definitely did all the dialysis stuff at night that it came to a point where I couldn't even comprehend it anymore. I couldn't worry about it. I couldn't figure it out. He had it down. I couldn't even bother him to try and figure it out. There were so many times he wished that I knew how to do it so I could set it up for him because it took him an hour and he didn't want to go through the whole process of setting it up. Or um, when the baby was sleeping in my room, he'd have to come set it up early so that he didn't wake the baby up when he came in to set it up. I got used to always waking up with the baby at night because he couldn't leave the bed. Um, And just, you know, being there for him all the time, every night. But he definitely handled it all on his own so that I could take care of the baby. But it was a lot for both of us, for sure. I think we both kind of like blacked it out. I don't even remember a lot of it because we just want to pretend it never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, does that feel like that for you too, Armonte? Or I mean, because you were actually, it was, you know, your body. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now it feels like in the past, like I don't even think about it. Like, like it never happened. Really. What, when we talked, you were having dialysis during the day still. When did you switch to having it at night and what did, did that allow you to kind of, like you say, get comfortable with more of a routine than, than what um, you had initially? Um, pretty much I started like in February, the beginning of February. When we got back to San Diego. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I started um, doing the every night thing. So life started to get a little bit easier. It was just uh, having to set up every single night. But we got through it, though. It wasn't that bad for me. I mean, after you do it for so long, it just becomes muscle memory. You know, it's like football. <laughs> it's like putting on your cleats. <laughs> what What was that setup like every night? Just explain it to me, because obviously I, I, I didn't really get to see it. I, I can't see it now, thankfully. But yeah, yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I know, right? First, you got to wash your hands. I know that. <laughs> a million times. Two, two minutes. And then you got to bring out the bags and make sure they're dried off and they're prepped. And then you got to get the cassette that has all the cords that connects to the bags. And you got to 
put that in the machine. Then you got to prime the machine. Which took what? Then you got to wash your hands again for two minutes. The priming took Yeah, like yeah, priming 45 takes minutes. 45 minutes. And then just to warm up, it takes five to 10 minutes. Then you got to you gotta put in your weight, your blood pressure. There'd be times he fell asleep while the machine was priming. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's been times where I've woken up in the morning and forgot to connect because I was just oh, passed sweet. out yeah. while I was priming taking too long. <laughs> yeah, so I just woke up and connected. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and then the issues you had with the machine, sometimes it didn't work and he'd be calling like yeah. whoever all hours of the night yeah. on the phone with for hours trying to get it to work and it still wouldn't work. Yeah. And then like Long if nights. it didn't work, he'd feel really shitty the next day. Yeah, it was fun. (laughs) (laughs) So for you, so obviously what I've learned from the, you know, from the first story and from talking to to the Brockington, you know, from talking to Diane a bit is you didn't know when you were maybe going to get a kidney. Like there was no real idea. So what was that like when you got the call. Where were you? Where was Kim? Did Kim get the call? Did you get the call? Like, take me through that day. Well, it was just a normal day. <laughs> and I got a phone call. And it was a San Diego number. Sometimes I don't enter random numbers. But I just felt good today. I just thought I should answer it. So I picked up and... <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I... Hi. <laughs> well, I picked up the phone call and they told me that I needed to fill out some paperwork and get some some labs done. And then we had some kind of poor connection. They hung up, so they called me back like ten minutes later. And it was like making sure that you had the correct date that you needed to do your labs. Blah blah blah. And right before they hung up, they said, "Oh yeah, you're getting your surgery done on February." Tentatively. <laughs> yeah, then you like, have a surgery time. You have a tentative uh, surgery date of this date. Yeah. That's then, it. That was the end of that and phone call. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was it. I mean, so all right. So a few questions. First, call the back. Yeah. Yeah, I'm said that. Something else, right? And then yeah. be like, oh, and by the way, what were you talking about? A tentative surgery date? And they were like, oh, you have a donor. Yeah. It was very strange. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> it's no. Surgery's in three weeks. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. What day, do you remember what day that was? I mean, throughout all of the, you know, blackout, trying not to remember. I would imagine that's a pretty positive day. I want to say it was January 26th. January 26th. I had to get to it. So, you get that call. Like, do you remember where you were? Were you at home in San Diego? Were you? I was right in the dining area. Really? Were you like eating lunch? What were you doing? I think I was helping with Oz or something. I don't know. I was just walking around and me and Kim was talking back and forth. And And you got in the shower. And that's when they called us back to tell us something. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was. We were going somewhere. And I answered, yeah. We were like on our way out the door, I think. Yep. So when you 
when you get that call and they are start like when you when they're saying, "Hey, we want to check in your labs." Do you realize what's happening, or are you just kind of like, "Okay, yeah, sure," I'm like you forgot that. Yeah. I'm just thinking like I'm I'm lost for words at the moment, and Kim just runs in the bathroom and tells me, and I'm just shocked and. Like, that's how they tell you? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to feel now. Like, I don't know if I should be excited or <laughs> nervous. I think, too, they told us that there was a possibility right before Christmas. And we hadn't heard anything for weeks. Mm -hmm. So I think we kind of, like, didn't let our hopes get high because mm -hmm. they said something. But then we didn't hear anything else. And we were like, oh, it must have fallen through. Because I think we had heard something even before that about someone. And it didn't work out, maybe. So we were kind of like, all right, this is just a longer process than we expected. And every time they told us something, we didn't really think too much of it because I don't think we wanted to get too excited. So when they tell you the surgery date, though, I mean, that, that seems like it's locked in that you have a donor. What's that like emotionally? What's that like? <laughs> just what's that like? Do you repeat that? What was that? Yeah, well, like when you when they when they actually say at the end of the thing, oh yeah, by the way, you're having surgery. Mm -hmm. What's that emotionally like? I mean, what when it finally does hit you, or when it or when Kim comes back into the bathroom and tells you, like, I just like my 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 heart drops into my <laughs> stomach, like everything just stops. It's like I can't breathe, you know. Like I don't know what to feel at the moment. I don't. I feel numb. It's just. You know, it's a surreal moment. It's like being a first-round draft pick. Like, yeah. right? like what's going need, on like, now? Did check. that just happen? Like, yeah. Slap me right now. Is this real? Like, <laughs> I'm done with dialysis. What? Uh -huh. <laughs> I can live a normal life. Yeah. Like, I can go I was, somewhere. <laughs> I was so excited. Really? Yeah, yeah. It was like a weight lifted up off my shoulders just to to have. Less of a worry that I have to hook up to a machine every single day, the whole process and everything. Not being able to do things. I was like, get the boxes out of the room. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Move all these <laughs> like, stuff out. Burn it all. Yes. <laughs> where, where were the boxes? So were the boxes actually in your room while you were doing dialysis? Because I remember There's when- something I, in there that Armonte says are supposed to get picked up. I have a column. Piled up to the ceiling. <laughs> Well, it's been COVID going on, so I didn't want, like, just random people in the house, so I'm just waiting until everything clears up, and then they're going to come and get it. Oh, so the boxes are still in the house. Yeah. Where are they? They're in your bedroom? In our, there's some in our bedroom. There's some in our back porch. There's some in his closet. There's some in our office. Still everywhere. Yeah. I mean, do you just do you just look at them and, like, give them, like, evil looks every once in a while? Now they're like they become uh, a piece of furniture <laughs> yeah, that yeah. gets covered in clothes. Clothing <laughs> <laughs> rack. Yeah. So going back to the day that you found out, I mean, was it a? I, I know this is getting really detailed, but like, what, do you remember? Was the call in the morning? Was it in the afternoon? Was it in the evening? Like it was um, evening around like three thirty in the afternoon. Around three thirty in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, like I said, we were on our way out the door, and I just jumped in the shower. <laughs> And Kim had to finish the call for me. And she just came in the bathroom and told me. I think we celebrated that night. 
where did we go? I feel yeah, like I, I was say, what do you, what'd you do that night? Like, what'd you do to celebrate? Because that was still pre-COVID times. You could actually like go to a restaurant or like go to the beach or anything. You go to my sister's? Was that Did we go to Eddie's with your family? Your mom was here? I feel like we coincidentally were like going out to dinner anyway and definitely like cheers to it yeah. happening. But I can't remember exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you you guys really have blacked out so much of that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. I'm trying to move on. When, dark time. So when you when you got that call, what were you like physically at that point? Because I remember when we talked, you know, and the pictures then, like you, you know, I remember when we talked, that was one of the times it got pretty emotional when you were explaining how much weight you'd lost and how what were you like in January? Um, exhausted. Yeah, exhausted and skinny. I was just depressed. <laughs> you want to answer? <laughs> no. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was really depressed. I mean, I was not wanting to do anything. When I wanted to go outside, not wanting to be active. I mean. Not even want to be around people, you know, just in my own little world, you know, my own little corner. And as soon as I heard the news, like everything switched, like it turned into me wanting to do more, you know, like my whole attitude towards life changed, you know. Really? I started seeing color in life, you know, instead of black and white. How were you physically, though? I mean, because you, I think it dropped. When we talked last February, you had dropped, what, 40, 50 pounds at that point, I think? Yeah, I did drop. Yeah, yeah. Right when I got that call, I was around 228, 225. So I was still physically really small. Um, yeah, I wasn't being too active, so. You were even less than that when. You checked into the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I checked in the hospital. I was like, no, it's two thirty. Oh, it was after you lost. And then when I after the kidney, for some reason, I dropped ten pounds, ten fifteen pounds. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, urine the new kidney put out. Yeah. The oh wow. Pushed it, like, out so many fluids, like fifteen liters, like in one day. That was scary to see him in the hospital after that because <laughs> his like. It was Whoa. like my he body was like skin was and bones. Rebooting, you know? <laughs> it was really like, it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this what he's supposed to look like after a kidney transplant? <laughs> so after you get that call, like you said, you're getting surgery in three weeks. What are those three weeks? Well, sorry, before that, like, did you call family like that night after you find out? Like, do you kind of keep it quiet? Because I, I remember from talking to Diane, she said you kind of almost have to keep it quiet. Yeah. I kept it quiet just because I didn't like the way they gave me the 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 news. I was like I was so unsure about it. I didn't want to start telling people and be like, oh no, they're just talking about another surgery. <laughs> <laughs> so I just I didn't tell anyone for a while. I waited till like I think it was a weekend coming up. So I waited till that next week, that Monday. You still don't really tell anyone. And I told my mom and my my sisters and everyone close. So. So what were those three weeks like leading into the surgery for both of you? Because 
like you like Kim, you said there had been somewhat close and i remember you and i had texted a bit like that there had been somewhat close calls where you thought it might happen like so what were those three weeks like um exciting you know just because it was the first time that like the, the past times that we've heard news have been like from outside sources like like someone messaged me saying that um, they donated on my behalf and stuff like that. So that was just us. Like maybe our kidney is coming soon, you know? So maybe we thought we had a close call there. But, but this time coming from the doctors, it was different. Like I was more excited. I was getting like mentally prepared, like what to expect. Um, how long is this recovery going to take? Like when can I start being more active? Like what's going to be the real switch for me, you know? So that's that's really like what the three weeks was just prepared mentally prepare myself for it, everything i think he counted down like every single night he did dialysis too and was like there's only 10 more days of this only nine more days of this Definitely. i don't need any more of these bags this is the last time i need to order all the time but it was also scary and a lot because it was right when we opened the gym yeah. so i was like how are we gonna how am i gonna take care of him after surgery with a brand new open gym, February 19th. Yeah, it was two weeks open. And his mom came out and thank gosh was really helpful with the baby and everything. But man. Yeah, so Kim, just want to follow up. What were those three weeks like for you? Because you know what you're gonna have to do to take care of Armandi after the surgery. And also, I mean, you'd been doing so much of so much in the year prior. Well, he even helped rebuild this gym, so I needed him to do that, and then he was getting a kidney transplant, so that was out of the question ever again, that he was going to help there um, anytime soon. Um, he was also nervous, secretly, and almost didn't admit it, so anytime I talked about anything, or he'd almost get like mad at me, and then like I think one day he finally was like... I'm about to get a kidney transplant. You don't know what that like thought process is. Like he's like, I don't know if I'm even gonna wake up from this, you know. So he was definitely making me more nervous than I was. Um, but I think we were definitely ready. It was almost like preparing for the time where he'd be in the hospital and driving back and forth. Then they told us we'd have to go to two or three doctor's appointments a week. And I don't know how we were going to do that with the baby and with the gym and everything, but his mom definitely made it possible. So Armandi, what was that feel like Kim just said? I mean, what was that feeling really like? Like how nervous were you? How concerned were you? Because it's still a fairly, I mean, it's still a massive surgery, you know? I mean, just really concerned about, if my body was going to take it, you know, like, because, you know, your body can still reject a new kidney, you know, it's never 100%. So that was like my big concern of just not being able to accept it. And then just the process of everything and where they're going to put it and everything. It's just, it's nervous. Like you can easily get hit right there. And, and I think they scared us a lot about the meds that he was going to yeah, be on. Yeah, the meds and... Like, we heard he was going to hallucinate and be really mean and angry. Not to say he was not mean and angry, because he definitely was, but I don't think he hallucinated or 
anything like that, right? Yeah. Hey, so what was, so let, let's go to surgery day. Like, was the surgery first thing in the morning? Was it in the afternoon? Was it at night? What was, I, you have to go in the day before and get prepped? Like, what was, walk me through all that. It was the first thing in the morning. You also got labs. I had to, I had to get labs the day before. And it was so crazy. They, they messed up the labs. So I had to run back to the hospital, uh-huh. get labs done. And then they still didn't do them right. So I had to go back for a third time. And finally, they did it. So that was a process. And then I also had to shower. Like three times. Like three days before surgery or two days. I had to use this special soap every morning to wash off and every night. And then I guess it was like for some kind of... Make sure sterile. Like, yeah, yeah. Make sure I'm like super sterile and everything like that. But it was like first thing in the morning, so I woke up, I showered, got dressed, and went straight down there. And it was nervous just waking up, like, cause like we didn't. I don't even think we slept till like three in the morning, cause we were just. Oh, we like, went somewhere. Yeah, we went to the um, NFL. What was it called? Conference, and it was like a Christian, Catholic. It was a big conference. They always have um, our friends were here. His friend Bates and Nat, his wife, were here for the conference. And they invited us, and we went because it felt like the right thing to do for sure the night before a big surgery. You can't have this. And, um, yeah, we didn't get home till like, 2 or 3 in the morning. And then we had to make sure he did his whole cycle of dialysis before he got surgery. But then they had like certain instructions with your meds that morning. You could only take some of them. So, wait, so the conference you went to was it? So it was a religious conference. Where was it? Was it in San Diego or was it like? Yeah, it was at um, Del Mar. Hold on, I'll Pip Pep. Hold on, I'll find out the name of it. So while well, Kim's looking at Armandi, what? Like so that last dialysis the night before. What did it? What did that feel like? Because. <laughs> oh. Sorry, man. Um, it felt like a relief. Like I wanted to. Once I got done, I wanted to throw the machine and the bags, everything connected. I just wanted to throw everything out. I couldn't. Like, but man, it was a relief. Like I was so excited. Like I, I turned away and never looked back. Was was there any part of you? I mean, because there's always like the talk of like Stockholm syndrome, where like you know, you know, where like you kind of miss something even though you hate it. Like, was there any part of that too? Be like, oh, like this is gonna be weird not to do this. No, it was pow pao. Pao, okay. But no, not even a little bit. (laughs) I definitely do not (laughs) a single second of that stuff. So did, did you and Kim look at each other like, or like talk to each other while you were hooking it up the last time? Or like, like what was that conversation like between the two of you when it was the last one? Dancing the whole time. Like I was just like happy setting it up. Like just cause I knew it was my last time to ever do this again. I'm pretty sure I was like half asleep by then. Yeah, she was definitely trying to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> What did you do at the P? Were you listening to music? Like you said, singing and dancing? Like, no, I was making my own. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So were you, were you just making your own lyrics too? Or like? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, was <talking> about <laughs> I remember so, that. I 
I totally remember that now. Really? Yeah. Probably a lot of cursing, like, F this. <laughs> Goodbye forever. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. What? So, what the PAO thing, what was that? I mean, like you said, it's a religious thing. Were you actually praying there? Or was it like a conference or like? Um... We listened to people talk about stories and finding God and stuff like that. And then everyone broke into groups and I went with <laughs> Nat Bates and he went with Bates to like the different groups and they definitely prayed for him and <laughs> my group because Nat brought up what was happening. Um, and just talked about like life stories and things that helped you get through stuff and stuff like that. There's a whole lot more to it that we didn't experience. Yeah. But lots of great things, you know, I heard. And even while we were there, it was very nice. Did you, did the two of you share what was going on with you? I mean, like you said, Nat did, but did the two of you share what was going on with you like the next day at that point or? Um, not really, no. Like, no it was crazy because I saw a lot, of, a lot of old teammates there, so. I was I was able to share the news with them, you know. Oh, you did tell. Yeah. So it was, I told a lot of people I was getting my surgery the next day. They were all congratulating me and stuff like that. So that was nice. Who uh, do you remember? Who exact? Who? Oh man, it was um, Craig Robinson, Christian Kirksey, uh, Ebron. Um, some more. <laughs> I can't think of them right now, but yeah, it was a lot of old, oh, Badamosi. Okay. Yeah, it was a, I saw a lot of people. It was, it was crazy. And it had already started, so we kind of came in the middle of it. Yeah. So it was funny. Everyone saw him, and I thought the reactions were funny. Like, whoa, where'd you Demario come from? Davis. Type of thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, most of them knew what was going on with you at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, like, had you seen any of them? Really, since you retired? Um, huh? I've seen Kirko, I've seen Craig Robinson. Um, I think those are the only two guys. So most of them hadn't seen what you would look like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But a lot of them see me now, I'm like, man. Definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> so what's that like going in a surgery that morning? Like, I mean, while you're still before they put you under and obviously you have no idea what you're thinking then. Like what what are you thinking as you go into the hospital that morning and and as they're getting you prepped and as they're wheeling you? Uh, I'm just like I've been through so many surgeries, so at this point it's like you wake up and you're in pain and but everything's like the fight is over, you know? So that's all that I was thinking in my mind, just ready to go through the process and get the new kidney and wake up and be like, oh, yes, finally, you know? Like, it's been a process. So just to finally hit the day and I'm, I'm counting down the seconds to go under and I'm just smiling, you know, just <laughs> hurry up, you know? Like, I'm just excited. We also, um, yeah, we had a, our, Oz's godmother was going to watch him, but she was sick with a fever, so she couldn't. So we had to find a different mm. babysitter last minute because him, I mean, my mom, his mom and I both went, but that was definitely the scariest thing I've ever been mm. through. I've never been, like, I've been through surgeries a lot. All my mm. family's been through surgeries. He's been through surgeries. Never thought much of it, but this was 
seemed a lot, lot scarier because mm -hmm. they're disconnecting organs and stuff. Yeah. And maybe because we didn't know much about it, but it was horrifying. Mm -hmm. I remember him and um, his mom and I were just kind of like staring into space, just waiting for the phone call from the doctors constantly to see what happened. Um, every time they'd call, we'd like jump up. Uh, sh I know his mom couldn't eat. And it was a long surgery for sure, like probably six hours. Um, and then when we we got the first phone call and it wasn't how he, it was just like, he did good, he's coming out of surgery, but it wasn't any more details. I don't, I don't know, maybe he was, is waking up. We didn't hear how he did or anything. And so kind of left hanging. And then again, the call finally, and him and his mom just like broke down crying that he it was finally done. It was really scary. Wait, so you so were you with Armandi at that point, or is it, are you still in the are you in a waiting room at that point? I'm in the waiting room with his mom. Okay, so what's that like in the waiting room for you? I mean, you kind of described, but like the like, were you just sitting in the same spot and pacing? Like, did you like find a vending machine? Like, um, they had like a cafeteria in there, so we definitely tried to get food, but I was exhausted because we didn't really sleep the night before. I think we had to wake up at 5 a.m. to get to the hospital by 6 a.m., you know. <laughs> it felt kind of like that. Am I going to try to lay him down again? No. Um, so we got food. But I kept trying to fall asleep, but couldn't fall asleep because I was exhausted. Didn't know how long it was going to be. Also, the first time I left Oz for very long, so I was very nervous about that. Um, just, like, constantly checking if he was okay and worrying about him. And it was just all pretty scary. What, do you remember, this is, again, I realize, a very detailed question. Do you remember, like, what you got to eat? Mm, probably like soup or just eggs or something simple breakfast okay. <laughs> I, I remember his mom i think we were there long enough to eat twice really yeah yeah and i regretted whatever i got the second time <laughs> <laughs> and his mom and, and his mom armandi's mom didn't eat at all you said in the morning i think the lunch was after he was already out so we were okay and she got pizza and liked the pizza so i wished i got pizza <laughs> so what when you're waiting there i mean what's like you've said you both were athletes sorry one second oh you're fine you know <laughs> Hey, Oz. <laughs> mm. so, well, well, Kim's taking care of stuff, Armandi. When you come out of surgery, I mean, I've had surgeries, and you're just kind of, you know, out of it for a while. When do you? When do they kind of first? A, like, what do? You, what's the first thing you remember? And B, what? Like, what was that like? I just remember the pain. The pain. It was. It was really bad. Like, like they put the kidney in the front, mm -hmm. right at the waistline, 
So they cut through that muscle and that nerve. And it just literally feels like you've just been stabbed right there with a knife. It was so painful. That's like the only thing that I really remember how bad that pain was. Like, it was, it was the worst by far anything I've ever experienced. Really? Yeah. Like, how, how long after the surgery did you, I guess, start to feel, for lack of a better term, and, and that you feel that pain? Um, well, as soon as I woke up, I was in so much pain, I started hitting the morphine button to just like, and then like next thing you know, I passed out and I woke back up getting morphine. Um, I'm starving at this point because I haven't ate since yesterday's afternoon, you know, and I'm in pain. I can't even sit up to eat. It's the worst pain to even sit up and move around. Oh. And then I got a catheter. And the bed was too and, short. Yeah, the bed was too short. And so it's a lot of things going on right now. <laughs> they have to get a bed extender. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. And then um, because um, I, I peed out 15 liters, it's the most they've ever seen, I started cramping so bad. My whole lower body was locking up. I had to get heat pads on me and come try to massage it out. It was... Some of the worst pain I ever had. But after surgery, the next day wasn't pretty. <laughs> had to drink water. The IV wasn't enough. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. I had to be home with Oz at that point, but I remember him texting yeah. me like, bring pickle juice. I am cramping so bad. This is horrible. I yeah. thought it wasn't going to happen anymore. <laughs> yeah. Were you, cramping, were you cramping before while you were on dialysis? Was that part of it? Or are you just talking about football cramping? Well, kidney failure. Um, uh, you, you experience muscle cramps. Okay. So I had already cramped like lower body during football. So when everything got serious, like I started cramping up in the middle of the night sometimes just randomly. And those were used to be some of the worst cramps ever inside of my, like, like the, in the craziest spots too, like the ones you can't stretch out or anything. It's just <laughs> like, I'm waking up in the most awkward positions trying to get a stretch out you know because i'm cramping so bad and kim's like freaking out like what's wrong go get the pickle juice go get the mustard i need water give me something meanwhile they're like <laughs> he can't have anything yeah so i'm like running around all over the planet trying to get him stuff and then i get there and they're like no he can't have it yeah so that was pretty bad yeah so every day starts to get better and better i mean i finally get to sit up and eat so he was mean, though. Yeah, I was in pain. It was the worst. Another reason I stayed home with Oz. <laughs> so when are you able to sit up? Like, how many days in can you sit up? How many days? Because, like, depending on the surgeries, sometimes they're like, we want to get you walking and moving right away. And other times they're like, no, 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 you can't do anything. I think the second day I started walking. I thought they wanted you walking the first day. Second day, second day. Second day, they had him walking around. Yeah. Three or four days. Mm -hmm. I could sit up the first day. It was just so uncomfortable. I would sit up and have to do the morphine and be so tired. That I have to lay back down and go back to sleep, you know? So. But you saw the <laughs> catheter in for all those days, too. Yeah. That was a big part of the yeah, I uncomfortableness. I, I am curious, how many, uh, how many days were was the catheter? Did you have to have the catheter in because I mean obviously with the kidney that's part of it like because they have to watch your urine output 
the whole um, time until I, you left. I took it out the day before I left because they wanted to see I could pee on my own. To make sure I can pee on my own and everything. Like I had to pass gas. I had to make sure I was passing gas to make sure everything was working on the insides. <laughs> <laughs> so how many days was that that you had it in? Like, do you, was it like, do you remember? I think I had it in let me look at the calendar. I think I was I had it in for like two to three days. And I got out on the fourth. I know you got out on a Friday because I was worried if you stayed you wouldn't be able to get out on the weekend. Yeah, so I I got it. So Wednesday, Saturday. Thursday, I got it out on Thursday. Saturday. You ran out. Mm-hmm. I got it out. On he two was days. in the hospital four days, yeah. Okay. So this might be a really weird question, but when you pass gas and when you pee on your own like for you mentally what's that mean (laughs) you know because the cuts right there in the front so it's like you can't force the gas like you can't push you know so it has to be like like a easy push you know but no no in all seriousness i mean for you when you're able to do those things on your own especially probably the, the urinating part with like out needing dialysis like what mentally is that is that a milestone for you? Is that a mile marker for you in some ways? I would say so, yes. Just because I've never experienced something like that and just just being able to overcome that and just, like, cause I, it wasn't just the gas part. Like, I had to pee with the catheter out, too. Like, Right. That's what I'm talking Yeah, that's what I was talking about. Painful, too, you know? So That was all awful. Yeah, that was a hump. Yeah, like, he kept getting UTIs <laughs> afterward. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I had to wear uh, diapers for months almost. Really? Um, the stent stent. fell into his urethra, so he was like, whatever closes to stop you from peeing never closed because the stent was stuck in there. Yeah, and it was just dripping out. And no one knew that. And it was when COVID happened, so every time he was talking to a doctor, it was virtually. So they never understood the depth of his like pain and right. wetting diapers and how many diapers he was going through, and that was horrible. I, I think, that. yeah, we really forget about a lot. Of yes, <laughs> I think that was just as bad as being on dialysis, and he was just as miserable again. Yeah, yeah the diapers were were not fun. Did you know you would? be in diaper like did they tell you beforehand like hey you're probably going to have to wear diapers for a little while while everything's adjusting or no it wasn't they said it it can happen but it's not that normal it's not that normal so i just thought maybe i'm just that one person you know i just thought like this just can't be real life because as it continues the more utis i get so it starts to burn after a while it doesn't just it's not just pee, it's So he's sitting fire. in like a diaper and uncomfortable and just awful. Yeah. Oh. And then the bladder, because like when you're on Dallas, like it's basically they tell like your bladder to stop working. So it, it, it shrivels up and gets smaller. So now that we're trying to get it to work more, it's, it, it tries to expand, but it can't. So it's like trying to work and it can't hold as much fluid as it used to. So we thought that was the reason why I was getting UTIs because maybe there was some bacteria in there from the catheter or something. They also thought because he put out so much <laughs> urine in the hospital mm-hmm. that that's why he was 
needing diapers because they thought he, um, this new kidney was causing him to produce that much more urine that yeah. it couldn't really hold it in. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the case. Yeah, so the, since the kidney was smaller, it was just pushing it out because it couldn't hold it in. But that wasn't the case. The stent was just hanging. It was. It fell out of the... the Into your urethra. Yeah. Yeah. It was supposed to be like up in his bladder and it fell into your your. And that was a really painful thing to get out. Well, I told you about that, how because of COVID, he couldn't be in the hospital asleep to get it removed. So we had to go to the doctor and do it there. And then I just shoot water down your little pee hole and (laughs) put a bag in. (laughs) So how long after the kidney surgery was that a month. oh yeah like a month so the, so your first month after the surgery was basically that type of life where you were just in pain all the time and and wearing diapers and peeing all the time and then i also i still had my dialysis tube still connected oh, yeah. because before they they need to know that the kidney will take so they don't want to give you the kidney and remove your dialysis and then not take and have to put you back on dialysis. You don't have your tube anymore. So they kept it on me. So like, I'm still having to clean it every day, making sure it's maintenance. And then even when I got the stent pulled out, I still had my dialysis tube still put in. So, so they because were of COVID, to, yeah. I couldn't be put under. They were supposed to put him under, take out the cath- tubes in his stomach from dialysis and take out the stent while he was asleep mm-hmm. all together. But because they couldn't get the tubes out with surgery, like you could they only had to have the, the stent, stent, the stent could have six any weeks. Longer. Right. So they couldn't wait any longer, they had to take it out. So you had to, have, you had to do that awake or you had to do that just outpatient? Yeah, I had awake. to do the stent awake. Oh. <laughs> that was... Yeah, I was like massaging his feet. Like I felt like I was watching him give birth. Yeah. I felt like Neo from the Matrix when he pulled it out of his belly button, but it was coming out of my uh, my pee hole. You know, just he just pulled the stin out. It was the worst feeling. Oh my god. Oh. Yes. So then, so they t- do they take the tubes out, the dialysis tubes out the same day out of your stomach or a different day? They left it in for another All month of almost. COVID. Okay. Then, like, when COVID started to slow down and everything, that's when they had uh, scheduled his surgery. The tube out and everything. So, So after you, so you have surgery, and then literally two weeks later, you know, and you're still immunocompromised at that point. Two two weeks later, COVID shows up rampant. What what does that do? Like, how how does that change what, what you two are doing? How does that change? It almost makes me go back into like how I how it used to be like back to like being in my corner depressed like it's like I still can't do anything you know I can't go outside I can't go on the beach I can't go work out can't do anything so it's like still got to stay positive even though like we're stuck in the house and stuck in my little room and everything so and they had already said like they needed to treat we needed to treat him like a newborn baby when he first came home because of the immunocompromised everything. So we weren't having anyone over and then COVID happened. So it just extended not having every, yeah. anyone around. And we were really scared at first, for sure. Um, anyone that came over, Armani would just kind of run away and hide in his room. And it was like, he didn't live here. 
Um, I'm pretty sure I have four nephews that probably showed up a few times and he's probably ready to jump out the window and <laughs> run away Four boy nephews under five years old who are probably trying to break down his door to get in here. Then we're like freaking out that the kids are touching all of our son's toys. So I'm like disinfecting everything regularly. Um, Oz wasn't going anywhere at the time. I was scared to go to the gym. Well, the gym wasn't closed at first, but once it did close, I was scared to go to the gym at all. So yeah. then his niece was coming and I was scared to have her fly in. And we had to like strip her down outside and put her right in the like shower. Oh my gosh. Yes. He was spraying us with Lysol anytime we got in and out of the car and probably killing us with asphyxiation. You were, wait, you were spraying everyone with Lysol? Yeah. Yes. Definitely. Did you have a little, like, did you have, like, an aerosol, like, a giant canister, or, like? Yeah, a giant. Yeah. I bought a pack. It was, like, a little four-pack. <laughs> like, a giant can. Then I had the, the hand sanitizer in my pocket, so spraying them, doing that. Then you got to go wash your hands. I couldn't get in his car anymore because it smelled so strong. What, was there a specific scent that you picked, or you just picked, like, the generic the generic, safest, cleanest smell I could find. <laughs> the hospital smell. That's the one I got. <laughs> so at, at what point do you realize that the kidneys taken and that it worked? Um, <clears throat> you know, before the kidney, like I had troubles with sweating. Like I would start itching, itching um, instantly. So, like, as soon as I got done, like, even I was in a hospital sweating, you know? Like, that's when I knew, like, my body was taking the kidney. Like, I just felt better. Like, I was peeing, pushing all the fluids out of me. I was sweating normally. I felt good. Like, that's when I just knew, like, man, like, this is how I used to feel? Like, like feeling, like, so bad for so long, it's, it feels like it's normal, you know? And then finally, like, when I get a new kidney it's like it's like when Thanos stabbed his fingers you know and everything was erased like that's how it felt like instantly like boom like you're normal again now that now that you're you know have a kidney again <laughs> that, that works and you're you're out of kidney failure I, I don't know how to phrase that right um what type has this given you a different perspective because I mean you know we talked what 18 months ago now which feels not like 18 months uh, you know, you, A, were in a ba pretty bad place, but also, I mean, your life changed so much in two years. Um, I would say now it's just like a positive thinking, you know, like, like, like me wanting to do more now, like, like me being so trapped in my situation mentally and physically and me feeling free of that burden that I just I just want to do things now like I want to I want to travel here I want to go do this I want to jump out of a plane I want to do things that I would never do before because I was so close to the end to where I don't want to experience that and not accomplished a lot more than I have already you know so now it's just like let's try to do more in life you know let's appreciate what we have and keep going forward you'd say having dreams again too like yeah. for so long there wasn't much talk of the future or what is gonna, what we're gonna do with our lives or what we want out of lives. And now he's back at 
you know, I want to just everything, <laughs> buy a house and all those kinds of things. Um, he's making music now and just career changes and new futures. What, yeah, I guess what is, you know, now that you're starting to think about those things, COVID aside, what is the future for you now? Because you couldn't really, I mean, you couldn't think of it for the longest time. Exactly. Um, well, recently I've been getting into music, you know, I've been making a lot of money, a lot of music, a lot of music with like friends and stuff like that. Having people come over and me going places. So I think I'm going to play with music for a while and see how that turns out. So. I didn't take it seriously at first, but then once I started hearing it, how good he was, I was like, all right, fine. I guess this can be a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> who, are you, who are you making music with? Like, is there, like, are you, and what's kind of the plan there in some ways? Um, just a couple of old teammates. Um, I've been making music with Dwayne Bow. Um, but we've been making a lot of hip hop, you know, rap, um, just different things, you know. But it's definitely something I enjoy, you know. It brings happiness to me, you know. So I'll keep going going with it until I'm tired of it, I guess, you know. <laughs> I'm just trying to have fun right now and appreciate it. What's that like, like you said, to have happiness? Like, what's that like for you now? Because that wasn't the case for so long. What do you mean? Like, just while you were going through dialysis, like, like you said, I mean, you wouldn't think of a future. You weren't happy. You were angry and mad all the time. Um, I was miserable, you know, just because I couldn't think positive in the situation I was in, you know? Like, I couldn't think about my next move because of the situation that I got to go deal with later on tonight. I got to go set up and do dialysis, make sure I feel good tomorrow to move around tomorrow, you know? So it wasn't a future thing it was a today thing you know it's not me preparing for what's later in life it's just me trying to wake up and experience the next day what were the doctor's appointments post-surgery like um they were okay you know i kept having my issues with the diapers and everything and the uti so it was a little frustrating and me getting adjusted to the medicine, going up on this dose, down on this dose. So it was a lot of pills and it was just a lot of to take in all at once, you know, like, but you really got to keep up with it because if you don't, then you might lose this kidney, you know? So you just got to really like focus stuff and see what they're telling you and stuff and make sure you stick to it, to the detail because it's so early in the transplant, like you don't want it to reject, you don't want to do any of the wrong things to give it the idea to reject, you know? So that's just like my whole process, just making sure I'm sticking to the rules, the schedule, making sure I'm eating when I'm supposed to. Yeah, there's a high chance of getting diabetes afterwards. Yeah. So that was the other thing. He had to prick his fingers all the time to check his blood sugar. And that, of course, he was scared of getting diabetes. So. Yeah, because I eat so much candy. Like, candy fanatic <laughs> like so it's like as soon as they told me that i like wanted to cry you know because <laughs> all i do is eat candy i eat candy for dinner you know this is medicine alarm <laughs> you know? that he has to take four times a day yeah. oh yeah yeah i was gonna ask so what's your medicine regimen now 
But it's just um, four times a day. I take one at nine, ten, and six, and then again at nine. And it's about six pills in the morning. About another six hour after that, another one, and then another two. So they've been going down. At first it was like 12 in the morning, 12 at night type deal, you know? So yeah. I'm probably down to just 12 a day, you know? So it's it's a lot easier now. That, and that's going to be, I mean, that's that's kind of a forever thing in some ways, right? Or does it eventually? It's definitely a forever thing, but it's just not that bad. So it's like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and times and days and everything. Oh, really? So is it all is it all labeled like that? So you just don't like. It's all labeled like what times, and days, and everything like that. So it and then I got alarms set in my phone and alerts. Even sometimes she'll say making alerts for me, depending on the, like where we're going or something. So yes, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely a strict schedule that I, I need to stick to. Can you eat candy now? Candy, but I just can only eat a certain amount. Like I can't just like chow down, you know, like I used to, you know? So, I mean, I still have my fixes. <laughs> What's your candy of choice? Uh, any sour candy, really. Yeah, I love sour stuff, it's crazy. So like Sour Patch Kids, are you talking about like those like atom, like those old like atomic, like jog breaker things from the- Like the, 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 the sweet tarts, you know, the sour tarts. Like those are like some of the favorites. Then, yeah, I, I do like the Sour Patch Kids, but yeah, there's so many I can name. They got like some Jolly Ranch Chewies. They're amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> could you have those while you were on dialysis or no? Yeah, I could. I could, okay. I could really eat almost whatever I wanted on dialysis just because the machine is acting as my kidney. So anything that my body can't push out, that dialysis is going to do it for me. So. I could potentially eat almost whatever, but um, like potassium, potatoes and bananas and stuff like that, I, I had to slow down on because, you know, that's a, that controls the heart, like too much potassium, you'll explode yeah. your heart, you know, so I, that was like the main thing I couldn't eat, so but other than that, I was, I was pretty much fine. What are you limited to now? Like, what do you like? You said, I mean, you can't have all the candy you want now. Like, what are you limited on now? Um, I can't have pomegranate and grapefruit, right? Grapefruit, 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 and pomegranate. And I can't like take like herbal medicine, stuff like that, herbal supplements, stuff like that. That's just really like because those um, interact with the anti rejection meds. So, okay, so is that. Is that a thing as well that you can never have that again? Or is that like after a year? That's forever. That's forever. Okay. What I know the donor situation is generally anonymous. Like, is that the case in this instance? Have you started to kind of try to figure out who that was? I mean, or is that never going to happen? Um, I don't know who it is, but I really want to thank them, you know? Um, I would like to know who it is, you know, let him a letter or talk to him, you know. But with COVID, we haven't yeah. been able to go to the hospital or the clinic 
to find out any more information to get in touch with them and um, any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they want to keep it confidential. So, will that be another emotional point for you whenever you do, if if you end up finding out? Um, Definitely. Um, Just because they saved me, you know? Like, who knows how long it was going to last, you know? how long I was going to mentally be able to do it like every day and stuff like that, you know, going from where I was into where I was then it was a lot to take in, in such a short amount of time, a lot of adjustments had to be made. So, yeah. Not to mention they traveled and I know they mentioned many times that it was like an amazing kidney from a young person and very healthy. So that meant a lot because it means that it will hopefully last a long time for him. So, and just giving him his life back, of course. Do you, I mean, do you allow this for really either one? Do you allow yourselves to think about, I mean, two years ago at this point, you know, theoretically, or three years ago, you were going to, you know, you'd be going to camp right now. Yeah. And everything that's, I mean, you had to retire. You move from Texas to California. You are on dialysis. You get a kidney. Like, do you allow yourself to think of like what that journey has actually been now that you're kind of through it? Or at that time, you can't even think about it because there's so many things going on at the moment. You know, like we're trying to get a gym going. Hey, baby, baby on the way, and we're trying to find somewhere to stay, and you know, just the punches keep going. So it's like. You gotta just take the punches and keep rolling. Yeah, it's just trying to survive for yeah. so long. Who really helped you all in in this journey, in the journey, kind of, and kind of after the the kidney as well? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying for sure, though. I would definitely say our kids, just because I want to be there when they grow up, you know, like, forget everything else. Like, those are what really matters in life, you know, like what you leave when you leave, you know? So I think Oz is what really kept pushing me, like, just to at least want to try to find a kidney, you know? Just so I can see you experience your own journey, you know, so. And he's such a happy baby, and it's just like, how can you be sad when you have such a bright light around all the time? was that did you how did you use that as motivation like would like walk kind of walk me through that if you can um just i would i would go wake up in the morning i'd be the first one in the morning to wake up you know just uh like 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 when he wakes up he laughs sometimes so it's just like when you hear that laugh on the on the little monitor you know saying he smile you know (laughs) Like, he's like, oh, he's up. Like, I'm the only one up right now. So, it's like, yay, I get to go get odds, you know? So, it's like, I love these type of moments, you know? So, fix my bottle, go grab him, go hang out with him. And, like, when he wakes up in the morning, he'll just see you, laugh, smile. And then, like, as soon as you pick him up, he hugs you, you know? So, it's like, moments like that, you you can't. You don't want to leave behind, you know? You want to remember those for as long as you can, you know? Cool. Is there anything else I should know about, I mean, about this whole, about everything? 
about this whole process that you maybe you want people to know? Really glad it's over. Yeah. Really glad it's over. Really thankful for my donor. Um, yeah, I mean, thankful for you, like getting the word out there, yeah. got him the donor. Just don't be afraid to talk about your story and bring it to light so people can understand and be there and know what you're going through and how easy it is to help change someone's life and how quickly it can happen. And I hope that the donor is living completely fine and didn't have um, much pain afterwards and hopefully that's the case and continues to be the case and how easily you can donate and really change someone's life completely from being upside down to going in a much more positive direction and everything. Armati, was there anyone you talked to throughout the process? Because I mean, like obviously said Oz, but Oz, Oz is one years old and can't really verbalize. We're not even one, right? Yeah. <laughs> 15 months now. Yeah, but at the time, yeah. <laughs> But um, I would say, like, one of my best friends, uh, Bates, uh, Darren Bates, uh, I talked to him a lot about this just because, you know, he's experienced some some, some, some loss in his family over a transplant, you know? So, like, just talking to him about everything, you know, kind of eased the stress for me and stuff like that. And him always being there to have someone to talk to and you know what it's like, it's, it, was, it was really helpful, you know? So... Yeah, and a lot of my friends were a lot of, like, a lot of my old teammates were very motivated, you know what I'm saying? Like, makers checked in on me, make sure I was good, you know what I'm saying? So, it, it was pretty nice, you know? Like, it wasn't as bad as I'd always made it out to be, you know? I always had people there that cared about me and always checked up on me, like, so that was, that was, that was really nice. I think that's important about him, even if he doesn't talk to people about what he's going through or even respond to people reaching out to him. He sees it and it means a lot to him. He just isn't the best at communicating that or responding to it. <laughs> it he's still thinking about it, even if you think he never even saw your message. <laughs> did, you, did you get, Armand, did you kind of gain that? Maybe, maybe not with Bates, but like some of the other teammates, did you gain that with the perspective of time kind of once it was all over or did you realize that in the moment too? What do you mean? Like as far as like what they, like the help, like them reaching out and them, you know, kind of. Um, I mean, it was a lot of the same teammates that I always hung out with, you know what I'm saying? So a lot, a lot of close friends. Um, it, it really did mean a lot, especially at the moment. And even after the kid, you know, they still checked up on me want to see how I'm doing and everything like that and yeah I mean it's it's good relationships you know what I'm saying like once you get on the same field with your brothers you know what I'm saying like that build a bond that just you, you never break or want to break you know what I'm saying like and this fraternity that we create in the NFL it's it's it's, it's really strong you know so yeah I mean even after the article is um out 
there were people talking about it. Some people that were didn't even play with him, but on the same team as him afterwards, speaking out about it and um, talking about it and just supporting him. Maybe didn't even know him personally, just knew he played on the same team as them before or knew he was also a football player going through it. So that was cool, just having the support of people that have a similar lifestyle and can't even imagine what he's going through, but are showing support so that he knows that they know how, how hard it could be. How much did John and Diane help? Oh, they, I can't even, the, the first time I found out about his kidneys, I called them crying and we've gone out to dinner with them so many times since, um, obviously since COVID, we haven't seen them, which sucks because it'd be so nice to go celebrate with them. But um, just always so hopeful. I mean, there was a time when we weren't getting answers or we didn't know things and immediately UCSD would call me because Diane talked to someone on top of the world somehow, you know, like she just had all the right connections at the right time. Um, I'm sure she pushed his name to the front whenever things were happening. She made sure when all these people were trying to donate that their tests were getting, you know, put into the system and taken care of quickly. I mean, she, they had so much to do with it. And even during COVID, they, um, set it up so that he could get labs drawn at home so he wouldn't have to go to the labs where other sick people could be. Um, They took care of that for us and just any little way and big way that they could help, they were always there and always a text away. Even when he was like being so mean afterwards, she was like, don't worry, it'll go away. It's just the meds. You know, this isn't him. It'll be okay. How long were you mean, man? <laughs> it's, 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 it's medicine. It just makes you irritable, you know? Yeah. He's also like in diapers and just, UTI. So. Yeah, yeah. So, like, it's a lot. I'm irritated with that and everything irritating. Like, I was walking around me. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> was like, I blame the medicine. I blame the medicine. <laughs> was your mom a big help too, Armand? I mean, Kim had said that early on. Like, oh yes. Oh, she was the biggest help. Yes, she is like the she... angel sent from above. Cooked every single meal. Went to the grocery store during COVID when she definitely shouldn't have. She has no knees and is walking around with her cane trying to get through the grocery <laughs> store, chasing after Oz while I'm at work everything she is the biggest blessing and i don't know why she had to leave sunday sunday sundays are coming back in the nfl with nfl sunday ticket.tv you can stream every live out of market nfl game every sunday afternoon on your favorite devices plus red zone and direct tv fantasy zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players no matter where you live nfl sunday ticket.tv is your key to the most glorious sundays ever use the promo code bluewire at checkout to get 15 percent off your subscription visit nfl sunday ticket.tv and use the promo code bluewire And you've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving 
right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE, don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And do you live in Michigan? Do you live in the Ann Arbor area like I do? Well, Regions Field Bar and Grill on Main Street is now back open. They're open Tuesday to Sunday from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. They've got outdoor seating. They've got outdoor televisions with sound. They're going to televise all of the games as everything is coming back. They still have free ski ball. They still have free darts. And now they also have free arcade games, including NBA Jam. I've seen the console from when I've walked by. And listen, they're open. They're one of many restaurants that are open on Main Street. If you haven't been down to Ann Arbor, they shut down the Main Street area. Basically, it becomes a walking boulevard almost for three or four blocks. Regents Field is right there. Go check them out. Now, back to our show. And that is the interview with Armonty Bryant and his wife, Kim. Sorry it ended so abruptly. It was also used as a large part of my interview for the story that ran on ESPN.com. Now that the interview's over, clearly you have learned what has happened with Armani Bryant, which is Armani Bryant has a kidney. And I just want to talk a little bit about this story and what it meant to me. Uh, this is probably one of the more emotional stories I've ever told. It's one of the stories that's impacted me the most throughout my career. That first story that I told in February 2019, Armani and Kim and Diane Brockington, who they reference in there, uh, who run, helps run the John Brockington Foundation, that's her husband. Uh, short story there, Diane and John were friends at the time. Diane ended up giving her kidney to John, who's a former NFL player who needed it, and then they ended up getting married. And now they run this foundation for kidney transplant. It's an amazing foundation. But the days after that story ran, both the Brockington Foundation, the Bryants and myself were inundated with people asking how they could help, how they could get tested to donate a kidney or donate organs. Uh, and that was, for those two or three days, honestly, it was incredibly emotional for me as the reporter, just hearing people's stories, people reaching out to me, telling me what they've been through. I, I still get emotional thinking about it. I still get um, emotional when someone will randomly reach out to me about the Armonty Bryant story uh, from a year ago. And it was unlike anything I'd experienced to that point in my career as far as what a story I could tell and the difference that it could make. Uh, I've had it happen before a little bit here and there with one-offs and you know, maybe ten, five, ten people reach out. This was, especially through Twitter and through email uh, and through Instagram. I mean, for me, even for me, it was upwards of probably between 30 and 40, maybe even 50 people that reached out. 
And then Kim had told me that they were just inundated between social media and Facebook um, and just people they knew who had no idea that he was even sick. And it was just something that it was a story that really influenced me and and made a difference to me and one that I'll never forget telling. Uh, I know I'm not being very eloquent with this, but it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty powerful. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Um, I really enjoyed talking to them and, and being able to share real positive news when it comes to our Monty Bryant and what has happened with him over the last few years. I want to thank my sponsors, as always, DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, Regions Field, Bet Online, and Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. Want to thank my producer, David Woodley. Feel free to leave a five-star review if you'd be so kind um, on Apple or anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just download, subscribe. That really helps us. And we'll be back chatting with you tomorrow, uh, a little bit more football-related. Talk with you then. Did somebody say playoffs? The NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. Major League Baseball season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag. Promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert.